Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. It says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit, whether good fruit or whether bad fruit. So death and life are in the power of the tongue. So the tongue is a very powerful, small part of your body, small muscle but has the power of life and death. I know some of us like to think of our heart as being the most important, or the brain, because it's the computer. But the tongue has the power also of life and death. And it's important that we understand that we have a powerful weapon in, I won't stick my tongue out, but in this tongue. In James chapter 3, verses 5 to 8, I want to read it also with you. It says this, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Now, when we speak about the tongue and when we read a scripture, I get this sense or this understanding that our tendency with our tongue is towards negativity. It's not necessarily towards the good and the positive. I think our tendency, and maybe it is because of our sin nature that is in us, we have this natural bent to say no in life before we learn to say yes. I remember my children, who are now out uh, in their class, but I remember, I mean, I think Josiah actually said dada first, but no was a close second. Before he ever said yes, he was saying no. No. And guess what? Now that he's five, Abigail's two, Nathan, he doesn't speak yet. They still learn and know how to say no more than yes. So we have this natural tendency towards negativity or as we read in James, evil, wickedness. And growing up, I never really swore. I said a couple of words in high school. In grade 7, that was in Quebec, we start high school in grade 7. And I heard all these words that I didn't hear in elementary school, and up to grade 6. And I thought, well, my friends all say these words, so I, I should say a few of them. And it wasn't long before I didn't feel good. And I knew something about those words were not pleasing to the Lord. And when I told my dad, he said, yeah, those are called swear words, son. And we don't say those things. I said, oh, okay, dad. And I stopped. Uh, Thursday, I had to take a a quick day trip to Montreal. And uh, actually, Wednesday night, I arrived. But at the hotel, I saw a friend from high school. And he, right away, I had a lot of hair in high school, believe it or not. It was curly. You would never know unless you had my yearbook. But 
Um, Facebook didn't exist, so I'm not talking about Facebook, the actual yearbook. And what happened is as soon as I walked into the hotel, my friend looked at me and he's like, John. And he recognized me and every third word was an F-bomb. And, and uh, like, I'm not used to speaking to people necessarily every day like that. So it took me about three minutes just to, he knows I'm a pastor in Toronto. I said, you should come check out my church anytime you visit. But it didn't stop him or it didn't phase him how much swearing he could do in about three minutes. And uh, at the end of it all, we had a great time talking. And I pray that something in his heart was stirred as well. I'm like, but it's really that I should get to bed. And there were customers now waiting behind us. But the nature of our tongue has this natural bent towards negativity. And as we read in James, evil. However, we already read it in Proverbs that there's also, though, the power of life in the tongue. And today, I'm thankful for that. And that's where we're going to actually spend our time on. And you see, Matthew 12, 34 says, For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Another translation says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, your homework this week, even though we're not even done church, your homework this week is to listen to how you speak. Once you start doing that, and you kind of get a gist of that, start to listen to others around you. Listen to what your ears are hearing and taking in. And, and I'm not saying judge it and, and tell, you know, tell people off and, and all that. I'm just saying observe. And begin to take note of the world around you. Uh, but before you do that, make sure you do it for yourself. Are you bent towards negativity when you speak about things or situations or even people or even the church are we really going to ever get into the building across the street i assure you we are or else we wouldn't have announced it but my prayer is that we would begin to take note of ourselves first and if it is negative that we would begin to use our tongue to speak life over dead things to begin to speak Things into existence which never even existed before. As Abraham, it's, it's, it's noted there. I think we have the verse later on, Romans 4.17. That you can speak into things that aren't even existing. And you could speak them into existence. Someone today, I truly believe, is one word away from breakthrough. I also believe someone today is one word away from seeing the mountain in front of you removed. In Jesus' name. And that's why we're entitling this message, Speak to the Mountain. Speak to the Mountain. And in our text, we started reading in in verse 18, Jesus curses the fig tree. Now, the Bible tells us that he was hungry, and he's walking towards this fig tree. And here's the thing that we need to know for some context. My grandfather used to have this one fig tree, and he would almost like Jesus, want to curse it because it never would bear fruit. And it wasn't until much later he got like two really bad figs. And then I think he just said, I'm done with it. And he scrapped it. It was a lot of work to care for a fig tree. But Jesus is walking up. He's hungry. And there are leaves already on the fig tree. Now I want to give you some context. The fig tree bears fruit 
without invisible blossoms. I remember in the spring, looking outside my window of my house, seeing the little tree that we had planted about four years ago. And before the leaves come, we see all the blossoms, right? We see all of this. The leaves are there. If you have an apple tree, the leaves come. Then you see these little blossoms and then the fruit grows. With the fig tree, you don't see the flower. It's all internal. And so that's the first thing. The fig tree bears fruit without visible blossoms. But number two, they begin to form, the fig tree begins to form its crop of figs usually before the leaves appear. So the figs would start showing up even before the leaves come. So now, if that's true, when you see a tree, a fig tree full of leaves, you assume, well, the, the fruit must be there already. The fruit has to be there. So when Jesus shows up, he's hungry and he sees that there's no fruit. He curses the fig tree because it had leaves. He expected there to be fruit. Now there's a, an important application we'll get to in just a bit about the symbolism or the significance of the fig tree in Scripture and how it relates to Israel. What does it mean? The fig tree is often symbolic of Israel in Scripture. First of all, chronologically, Jesus had just arrived at Jerusalem. This is the order of things. Amid great fanfare and great expectations, the fanfare, think of Palm Sunday, his triumphal entry, that just happened. And Jesus entered Jerusalem. If you want to read, read in the beginning of chapter 21 of Matthew. But then, right after that fanfare, he enters Jerusalem. He goes to the temple and he begins flipping all the tables there. And then we get that verse, My house shall be called a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. So they had turned what was supposed to be good and normal for their worship, as, as they would offer sacrifices. They lost the true sense of their worship. And so with the cleansing of the temple and his criticism of the worship that was going on there, Jesus was effectively denouncing Israel's worship of God. So that's the first part. We didn't read that when Jesus clears the temple. But now the fig tree, with the cursing of the fig tree, he was symbolically denouncing Israel as a nation and in a sense even denouncing unfruitful Christians. And that is people who profess to be a Christian but have no evidence of a relationship with Christ. This is the fig tree that bears no fruit. It could be you and it could be me. And that's just a part of what I wanted to, to speak about this morning. But today we're talking about speak to the mountain. Now, see, Jesus could speak and things happen. What was interesting, in uh, Mark eleven twenty, it's it's another account of the same story. They actually notice that it withers from the roots up. And it's interesting to note that. And it happened quickly. Now, the fig tree my grandfather had wasn't that big. It was probably seven feet tall. Maybe it grew a little more. But in Israel, in that climate, they can grow to be 20 or 30 feet tall. And they're, they're huge. So we're not told how big this fig tree was. But what we do know is when Jesus spoke, what happened? Something unusual happened. Well, it withered up and died quickly. Again, there's power in life and death is in the power of the tongue. So here's the thing, and here's where we're going to camp out today. How to speak to your mountain. This is a subheading. How to speak to your mountain. And I want to share some simple uh, things with you today. Number one, in verse 21, 
of our text, Jesus simply said this, I tell you the truth, number one, if you have faith. So point number one in how to speak to your mountain, you have to have faith before you speak. You have to have faith before you speak. And here's what I was alluding to earlier. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. In speaking about Abraham, who is the father of our faith, it says this, As it is written, I have made you, Abraham, the father of many nations. And in the presence of the God in whom he, Abraham, believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Think about who God is in his very nature. He spoke the world into existence. The power of life and death is in the tongue. He spoke the world into existence, something that did not exist. He spoke it and it was. And my question to you today is, do you have faith in that God who can speak dead things come to life and who also speaks to nothingness so that something can be created that never existed before. This is the God that we serve. And my question to you, it's not my thought. It's in our text, verse 21. If you have faith. So if you have faith enough to believe that God created the world and he spoke it into existence, do you have faith that if Jesus said, if we had faith, we can speak to the mountain and it will be removed? Do you have faith to believe that though? Here's the thing, we can't pick and choose what we believe. In the Bible, we believe that this is God's word, and I believe what it says he can do. I believe God, and I take him at his word. So number one, how to speak to your mountain? Have faith. You have to have faith. You might say, well, how much faith do I need? Well, I know that at least one person here, you've told me this is your favorite verse. Matthew 17 Verses 19 to 20 says this. Actually, let me just give you some context. The disciples tried to pray over someone. This man's son was having seizures and throwing himself into fires, getting burned. How many of you know that's not normal? So there was demonic activity happening. And they tried to cast out the demon from this young boy in Jesus' name. And it didn't work. And it didn't happen. So they said to Jesus, why couldn't we cast out that demon? And verse 20 of Matthew 17, Jesus responds, You don't have enough faith. Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. You say, how much do I need? If you, have, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Again, we have a natural bend towards negativity we say yeah but that's just ridiculous and i don't believe that and so with that kind of mindset with that kind of of speech coming out of your mouth it really shows the posture of your heart why well we said out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks so someone who speaks that way it truly says they don't take god at his word they don't maybe maybe they would like to but they just don't believe here And Jesus says, number one, have faith. How much faith do you need today to speak to the mountain and to see it move? The faith, the size of a mustard seed. Do you know how big that is? 
Some of you are like a walnut, like an almond, like a peanut. No, I can't even show you. It's so small. You need a measure of faith. And did you know the Bible says that to each of us has been given a measure of faith? And so my question to you is, are you ready to exercise that faith this morning? Are you ready to see God on your behalf move? And here's the thing. You're going to speak to mountains this morning. Before we leave this place, whatever mountain is in your life, I'm preparing you for the end of the message. I'm not going to speak on your behalf. Jesus said, if you have faith, number two, here it is, don't doubt. Don't doubt. He's giving us a recipe. It's, it's not a formula where we say, faith plus doubt equals this, boom, it's done. It's No, this is outworked every single day of my life. It's my lifestyle. It's not one, two, three healing. One, two, three equals boom. No, it's every day. I take God at his word. I walk in faith, not by sight. And now I don't doubt. Because I believe that the, uh, the scripture says, God is not a man that he should lie. So church, you need to get this today. You can take God at his word. Yes? Thank you for the amen here. A few more. I'll say it one more time. You can take God at his word. And you see, here's the thing. Everything that Jesus said, he meant. And everything he meant, he said. So you don't have to wonder, is this really clear? Like, what did Jesus really mean when he said, if you have faith and you don't doubt, you could speak to a mountain and it will be removed? Well, the mountain, like, I don't know where where was the last time we saw a mountain in Toronto. I'm not sure. Um, But what we're speaking about the mountain today is those, those things or that thing in your life. That you're stumped and that's, that's stopping you. And I'll name some mountains later on. But it's important that we grasp this. Number one, have faith. Number two, don't doubt. Don't doubt. What is the opposite of doubting? Really believing. Really believing. And here's the thing. When we really believe that God is able to do it, the expectation level in my life goes to a whole new level. So, I've heard it said, expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. And I believe it's so true. And here's the thing, you can have faith, but if you don't expect anything to happen, probably nothing will happen. Because you're you're doubting or you're not really believing. And so this is really important that we don't miss it. Because Jesus said, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this. What did he do? He cursed the fig tree and it withered up and it died. But he takes it one step further. You can do things like this and much more. And much more. Some of you might say, a fig tree? That's pretty crazy. But Jesus is taking it to the next level for you and for me. And he's saying, you can do much more than just a tree. I remember in Bible school, it was my first semester. I knew God called me, but... It was really a call to abandon everything that I was comfortable and familiar with. Mama's cooking too. And I had no friends, no car, not a lot of money. I was just sitting in my dorm room, actually lying on my bed. I was like borderline depressed. I'm like, what what am I doing here? Lord, you've called me, but this is really miserable. And I struggled really for the first month, month and a half of being there. And I remember one afternoon I could hear, it was a beautiful day, but I was just inside my room 
uh, I was under my covers, and I had the window open a little bit, but I had my, it, my door wasn't closed, it was just kind of like a little bit. And I was laying there for at least an hour. I was just trying to make sense of it all. And I remember saying this, as crazy as it sounded, because I can hear the rustle of students, and now I wanted to take a nap. I could have gotten out of my bed and closed my door. And I just said, Lord, if you're really here, close this door for me. And I know this is, sounds so ridiculous. The, again, that door was pro, like not propped open. It was just like, you know, when a window's open and like you can hear the door just like ajar. It was ajar. Thank you. And I kid you not, it was like that for an hour. I said, Lord, would you just close that door? I need to know that you're here in this place with me. But no sooner those words released out of my mouth, that door went splat, and it slammed shut. And here's the thing. I didn't have that much faith, and I was doubting. But after that door slammed, I was like, oh my goodness. Lord, forgive me for doubting. But you just proved to me with this little, simple, foolish thing. And this request made that made no sense to anybody. But I knew that it made a world of difference to me. And God said, that door slammed. I closed my eyes. I had the best nap of my life. And the next four years of my life transformed me from the inside out. I saw people healed in front of my eyes in, in services that we had. Why? Because of faith and expectation. Faith and expectation. You see, you can have faith to say, well, yes, I have faith that God can do it, but he won't do it for me. He can do it for everyone else, but he won't do it for me. I've been praying for years. Listen, it's time that you begin speaking to the mountain in your life. Can you say amen? It's time that you begin speaking to the mountain. And number three, we said, Number one, have faith. Number two, don't doubt. Or the opposite, come with expectation. Really believe that God can do it. Number three is you have to get ready to speak to the mountain. You have to get ready to speak to the mountain. And I heard this phrase this week that jumped out at me. And I shared it with Spencer at the office. And it was this, stop speaking to God about your mountain. And start speaking to your mountain about God. Stop speaking to God about your mountain and start speaking to the mountain about your God. And here's the thing. Lord, I don't know what to do. This is what the first one looks like. Lord, this thing is, I, I just pray, Lord, take it away. Would you just heal me? Would you, however that prayer might sound for me. And it almost sounds like that persistent widow that after a while, I mean, her request was granted because she was persistent, uh, but the, 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 the ruler in that story actually said because she was nagging for so long. Here's the thing. We go to God with our requests. But here's the thing. God, like we said last week, has given us all authority, but all what? Access to everything through the name of Jesus. But we have to understand, like I said last week, We've been knocking on doors that have already been open for us. And so in this moment, today we are here. And you might say, but I just need you to move. And God says, I gave you the victory already. And I gave you the tool and the weapon to win already. 
You just need to speak now to the mountain that's in front of you. I'm going to ask Spencer to come up. Not to the piano. I want to do an illustration with you. I won't do like Lee where I'm going to lean all my weight on you and crush you to the ground. But Spencer represents the Christian. Face me like this. And I represent the mountain. Okay? (laughs) No. Now, I'm just going to keep doing this. And this could be the words that I speak to him every day at work. It's not true, though. It's just an illustration. Um, It could be what I tell him. It could be what I wish for him. And I just keep doing this. And after a while, Spencer could turn around and keep telling Ashley what's going on. But it's not really stopping me from doing this, right? But when Spencer, who's probably getting annoyed, is like, can you stop or don't push me so hard? When he begins, when he gets the revelation of today's message and all the authority that he has, that God would say, thank you for letting me know what's going on, but I've given you everything you need to speak to your own mountain now. Spencer is going to do something about this. Stop. Oh, okay. Okay, I I thought that was okay what I was doing. And he's going to say, no, it's not. And he'll probably say a, a little more passionately, if I was really bothering him, you can have a seat. Give him a hand. And this simple illustration, uh, me pushing Spencer, I believe for some of us, for too long, we've just been telling God about the annoyance, telling God about what's, what's bothering us, telling God about the mountain. And, and today, we're going to turn and flip the switch and say, God, thank you for giving me all access all authority and power in Jesus' name. And I have faith and expectation and I'm getting ready to speak to the mountain because Jesus said, when I do that, it shall be removed. It'll lift itself up and be removed from my way. And I I believe that many of us have been living a defeated Christian life because we have not spoken to those mountains that are standing in front of us. And here's the important part. There are mountains in your life that you've been trying to move in your own strength even. You've been trying everything in your power, your ability. But God is saying there are some things that you physically have to deal with in life, yes. But mountains are moved by a faith that speaks. Mountains are moved by a, not just faith, but a faith that begins to speak. And this is the key for us this morning. We have to get ready Before you leave this place, you're going to begin to speak to some of those mountains. Think about how someone is saved. Romans 10 verse 10 is very simple and it's very clear. It is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. So that's the faith part. I believe it. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. It's not hard. It's easy. So if you're here and you're saved... It's by the belief in your heart and the confession of your mouth. So if you could believe God that you're saved today, why don't you also believe Him that when you speak to your mountain this morning, it shall be moved in Jesus' name. If the devil can keep you silent, he can keep you defeated. Because the mountains will just tower over you. And here's the secret. If you don't speak to the mountain, 
the mountain will continue to speak to you. If you don't speak to the mountain, the mountain will continue to speak to you. It will always be negative. It will always lead to worry and fear and never peace and never victory. That's the mountain. The mountain says, oh, you will never get over me. You'll never see me removed from your life. You'll never have your victory. You'll never have your breakthrough. And the mountain keeps speaking because it's standing in your way. Because that's what it's there for. But I thank God that we have everything we need to begin to speak this morning to those things in our lives and for me, actually, the more I dwell on this, and on God's word, I can't understand why any believer who's been given all access would choose to not speak to their mountain today. I, I can't understand why some of us maybe would leave here without doing this, without taking a step of faith even. Let faith arise even now as we get to the close of this morning's message. Let faith begin to stir in your heart. And begin to get ready, because we're going to speak to those mountains. You see, in verse 22 of our text, Matthew 21, verse 22, Jesus actually expands even further. And he says, you can pray for anything. Lord, if you close this door, just close the door and I'll know that you are here with Shlem. Couldn't even finish the phrase, the prayer, the request. If you, if, uh, you can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. I close with this story. I wasn't there because I wasn't born yet, but my sister Sabrina, she's the oldest one. She was about two years old with my mom at the grocery store. Every parent knows that they put those little, you know, 25-cent machine rides for your kids right at the exit. So... I know you're in a rush. You've got to like wait another minute so that the ride can finish. And so there was a horse. And my sister, Sabrina, was two years old. And she goes up to, Mom, Mommy, I want to ride the horse. I want to ride the horse. And my mom's like, oh, okay, let me just check. This is as the story was told to me. I wasn't born yet. And my sister gets on. My mom finds the quarter, puts it in the machine. It doesn't work. Every other parent in the world would just say, okay, let's go. It doesn't work. They should put the out of order sign. And we go, my sister says, no, 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 mom. Try it again. She puts it in. It doesn't work. She goes, now, mom, pray for the horsey because it's broken. And he needs Jesus to fix it. And then we're going to put it in again. Could you imagine listening to your two-year-old in a public place being like, okay. But my mom did it because she saw the faith of her child. And she took that quarter, don't ask me how, but before she put it in, she prayed. And my sister was looking and listening. And my mom, thinking nothing was going to amount of this little encounter with the horse and her prayer, the minute she put the quarter, the second she put the quarter in, that horse, he took off. And my sister was, was riding that horse and had the time of her life at two years old. See... A lot of times we complicate faith and we make it this mysterious big thing that we don't understand. And all it is is simple trust in God. That's all faith is. It's the evidence of things unseen. So, well, what's unseen? 
well, the, the horse wasn't working, but the evidence of the faith now is that the horse worked. And in your life, maybe you've tried to speak to a mountain or to the mountain in your life, and it hasn't worked. I just say, get childlike faith this morning. Let childlike faith rise up. It's a faith that says, Lord, if you said it, I'll do it. And you see, this is me. My wife is a little more complex, right, Pris? Because she's an analyzer, a thinker. I'm more of the, sure, let's go. Let's do whatever. And in, in faith, it's the same way. I don't think much. Well, because my, my thinking is limited, but God is unlimited. So I just simply say, well, Lord, if you said it, let's do it. If, if you said all I need is faith and I have to believe, then I believe. And I have faith that you're going to do what you said you would do. And that's it. That, for me, is how simple faith is and how simple it is to pray and to believe that these things will happen. I said, I'm going to name you some mountains as we prepare to, to speak to, to our mountains today. What a, you might be here saying, well, what about the, my, the mountain of finances? It shall move as you speak. What about the, the mountain called fear? It shall be removed in Jesus' name. What about the mountain called depression? Or anxiety. What about the mountain called infertility? It shall move in Jesus' name. Or the mountain called singleness or loneliness. In Jesus' name. We will speak to that today. What about the mountain called sin? Or habitual sin? In Jesus' name. We're going to remove those mountains today. What about the mountain called addiction? It shall be removed in Jesus' name. And here's one that is a personal one for me. And this is what I'm believing. The mountain called multiple sclerosis or MS. And I know that there's some Stephanie's testimony of how God healed her. But then there's Michael Smith who's still in a wheelchair. I, I had a trip back, I told you, on Thursday to Montreal. And one of my friends, I haven't seen them in a while. I, I found out they're losing their eyesight. My age young family and he, he could barely see anything anymore and I got really upset here and this is not a negative this is righteous anger and and I the whole drive home it's six hours from Montreal to, to Toronto if you speed it's much shorter but mine was six hours and I was just listening to some worship music, because I needed to call this friend. I hadn't spoken to him in four years. It wasn't even him who told me directly. It was another friend. I said, give me his cell number. I'm going to call him on my drive home. I began to pray. I just said, Lord, I don't know what to say. If he can't see, I don't know if he's serving you. I don't know what's going on. I just said, Lord, give me a word. Give me a word. And the only word he said was this. And, and it's how I opened the service today when we prayed. I said, to my friend, listen, I know you're desperately wanting to be healed. You want your eyes to see. You want that. I said, and I understand that. But I said, here's the thing. If all you want is that, you're missing out on a, a world of blessings. And here's the word I said. I was, I was praying my whole drive. He called me right, literally right when I pulled up in front of the house. Was the timing good? No. But this was... The God's appointing and his time. So I just answered the phone. I said, listen, here's, here's what I, I've been praying this whole drive to tell you this one thing. I said, I don't know 
where your faith is. I don't know what you believe. I said, but here's what I, I want to tell you. I felt God impress on my heart for you. Don't chase after healing. Chase after God, who is the healer. And I said, I know you desperately want the healing, but chase after Him. As you do that, if you chase after His heart, naturally whatever's in His hand will come to you. I said, healing is in His hands. And, and He was amening me as I prayed for Him right there in, in my car. See, listen, there's no, there's no good time to speak to your mountain. I was in my car. He, he was at home in this condition. What's important is that you actually speak to the mountain. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet this morning. This morning, I'm believing for my friend that the mountain in his life will be removed. And I'm praying on his behalf. He's now praying on his own behalf. But you're here. And I'm just going to make it very simple today. And I, I want us all to begin to speak to mountains in our lives. And you might say, but there's no music. You might say, well, well, listen, chances are, if you're at work, there's no music either. Chances are, if you're driving in your car, sure, you could put worship music on. But when, when rubber hits the road, who cares? Who cares? If there's a mountain in front of you, would you just begin to speak to the mountain? I know it doesn't sound spiritual, but just begin to do it with faith and expectation. You begin to speak and allow God to do it in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you today as we begin to speak to mountains. They shall be removed in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for all authority has been given to us. And so now we take that opportunity to begin to speak. So come on, church, just lift your voice. Begin to speak to mountains. The mountain of finances. The mountain of infertility. The mountain that is in front of you. Of addiction in Jesus' name shall be removed. Come on, speak to the mountain today. Speak and let it be removed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.